quick note on our service that you may notice. Uh, there's a trajectory to the service. This trajectory is brought forth by how the Bible describes how people approach God. You'll notice that our service starts about here, and then it goes down as we confess our sins, reminded of our salvation in Christ. And as that happens, we're consecrated and set apart by the Word. The Word prayed, the Word preached, the Word sung. And then we come up to the heights. We have communion with God through the Lord's Supper, and then He sends us out for the life of the world. Sometimes fishing is a different kind of fishing. Our text this morning is Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us this morning. We pray that you'd come by the power of your spirit to open our eyes, open our hearts, and open our hands, that we might be hearers and doers of your word. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was fishing on a pond with a friend of mine, and I was using live worms, and I was catching nothing. But I kept hearing the sounds of big splashes and him shouting, Woohoo! as he landed another big fish. I asked him what he was using, and he shouted back to me, Top water poppers. It was an epiphany. If I wanted to catch the fish, I needed to stop bottom fishing with live bait and fish on the surface using top water lures. Jesus showed a group of commercial fishermen how to really fish. And this morning in the Gospel of Luke, we'll see... Fishing epiphany. Fishing epiphany. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 1. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. And it says there in verse 1, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Now Jesus has begun his ministry. He's been doing his ministry all over the region of Galilee. This is an area that's outside of what was called Judea. Jews are returning and beginning to colonize. They've been doing this for some time now after the exile in Babylon, but it's considered the hinterlands of where Jewish people live. We see that he set up his headquarters in the town of Capernaum. It's a town of about 2,000 people. It's on the Sea of Galilee, also known here as the Lake of Gennesaret, Capernaum. Capernaum means Nahum's town. It's named after the prophet Nahum. It's a fishing town. It's worked by fishermen like Simon Peter. Fishermen like Peter, Andrew, John, and James were washing their nets after a fruitless night of fishing. They'd been out all night long. They'd been casting their nets. They hadn't caught anything. They came back into the shore in the daytime, and as Jesus is preaching to this crowd, they're mending their nets. They're pulling pieces of wood out of the net. They're pulling seaweed out of the net. They're untangling the net and they're getting all of the mud off the nets. And in verse 3, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Jesus sat down in the boat, but as a plus, it provided amplification from the water. He's got a crowd that's pressing in. Likely, Jesus has been performing miracles, and people know that, and they're pressing up. They want to touch Jesus. They want to come to Jesus and ask for healings or blessings. And so Jesus puts out into this boat. He's on the water. The crowd's gathered around on the shore. It's providing natural amplification. But Jesus is also acting like a fisherman who's casting a net. The net that Jesus is casting is his words, and he's catching a different kind of fish. Verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. 
And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. Now notice here that Jesus had commandeered Peter's boat. And notice that he's acting as the skipper of the boat. He's giving a command. Here in the Greek, it says, Eponon gage. It's an aorist imperative. It's a command in structure. He said, put out into the deep and put down your net for a catch. Now notice what Peter says. See that there? He's got that exclamation point. We've already worked all night, but no fish. You see, night was the time that you fished. You went out at nighttime, you cast out your nets. You stayed close to the shore because at nighttime the fish came toward the shore. These men are likely using cast nets. Has anybody here used a cast net before? Okay, so it's a round net, right? You've got a rope tied in the middle of the net, and then you put down weights around the edge of the net. You literally had lead weights, or you would have used rocks. You throw the net out, and then as the net goes into the water and goes down at the right time when you're ready, you pull that net in, and all the weights collapse in on themselves, and it traps the fish. They've been doing this all night. They were in the shallow water at night when you catch fish, but they caught no fish. Night was the time to fish near the shore, but Jesus tells them to put out into the deep in the middle of the day. Put out into the deep in the middle of the day. And notice what Peter says. We toiled all night. We took nothing. He's the expert here. You fish at night, not in the day. You fish along the shore, not in the deep. But because you say so, Jesus, we'll go out to the deep. We'll put down our nets. Jesus is a great rabbi. Peter recognizes him as a great teacher, as a great prophet of some sort, as the Messiah. But what does a carpenter from inland Nazareth know about fishing? Verse 6. And when they'd done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Can you imagine the scene, kids? They thought they weren't going to catch anything. They hadn't caught anything all night. And now they catch a huge number of fish. A gigantic haul of fish. Jackpot. Probably the most that they'd ever taken. Their nets are beginning to break. So many fish that they needed another boat to come and help. And what happens? They would have pulled the boats up alongside each other. They would have pulled these nets out. They had multiple nets in the water that are filled with fish. These strong fishermen yanking up the fish so heavy they get them on the boats and they let the fish out and it fills the boats. Fills the boats with so many fish that the boats are beginning to sink. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. Peter falls down before Jesus, and unlike an angel, Jesus accepts his praise. Look in the Bible, and you'll see angels coming to people. And because of the way they appear, or some sudden epiphany and understanding that this person standing before me is not a mere human, but rather is an angel. And what do people do? They always fall down. But angels always say, stand back up. I'm a messenger. I'm an angel. I'm not the Lord. Notice what Peter said here. He said, Master, we see that Master in verse 5, but now after this miraculous haul of fish, he says, Oh Lord, oh Lord. I don't think Peter understands exactly who Jesus is, but he does understand this. Whoever he thought Jesus was before casting the net has been changed, has been transformed. He's had an epiphany. You see, angels always tell people to stand back up. 
And by the way, I want to say this, friends. The word in Hebrew in the Old Testament for worship, shachach, and the word in the New Testament for to worship is proskuneo. They both mean the same thing. Worship is about posture. Worship means to fall down before or to bow down, and that's what Peter does. Peter says what Manoah, Samson's father, and Isaiah say before the Lord. Depart from me, Lord, I am a sinner. There's a recognition of standing before the magnificence and unknowable of holiness, that there's something here I need to fall down before in worship. When the priests come into the temple and the Holy of Holies filled with the Shekinah glory of God, the priests are driven out. They fall down on their faces before the Lord. There's a recognition that you are sinful, that you are unworthy to stand in the presence of such holiness. And that's what Peter does here. He had doubted. But with the powerful sign of the fish, Peter is deeply convicted. Going on to verse 10. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Do not be afraid. That's a theme that comes out of the Old Testament over and over again. The Lord has to warn his people, say, don't be afraid. Because when you stand before God, you are afraid. When you stand before his powerful son, you are afraid. And the implication is here, do not be afraid. Why? Because I am with you. It comes out of the Psalms over and over again. The Lord is with me. I will be with you. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be a fisher of men. Now the coming of fishermen and the catching of fish comes with a new temple and arrives with flowing streams of living water. You see, we think of fishermen in the New Testament here, we always think they're, they're ignorant people. We think that they're poverty-stricken people. Look at the story and see what it says. We see here that they're partners together with their boats, and if you read the other Gospels, they had multiple boats. They had partnerships. They were merchantmen who sold their goods. We also see that they had servants they're not poverty-stricken, ignorant men. Rather, these are men who are of an early merchant class. They were also educated. We've got to remember that Israel was the most educated, literate society in the first century. Most Jewish men would have gone to school at the synagogue till about the sixth grade, many beyond that. Girls went too. Jews ordinarily knew how to read and write, and they knew the Word of God. They had studied the Old Testament, and in particular, they had studied the Psalms. They knew about the great prophetic utterances of the great prophets, about the promise of the age to come. And one of these motifs that rises up is the prophecy of Ezekiel. A new temple is coming. A magnificent temple is coming. The Spirit of the Lord will be in the temple. And one of the great stories about the new temple that's to come is from Ezekiel 47, where the great flood in the temple occurs. If you've got a Bible... Go ahead and stick your finger right there in Luke chapter 5. Go ahead and turn to Ezekiel chapter 47. I'm going to pick up the story at, at verse 8, but if you want to look through that, just so you see what the context is. And remember, Jews knew this story. They knew this prophecy. The story is like this. When the new temple arrives, there's going to be a trickle of water running down the middle of the temple. It's probably coming out of the Holy of Holies. It flows down the middle of the temple, and it begins to turn into a stream. It's streams of living water, clean, living water. It goes out of the threshold. It goes out of the doors to the temple. 
The temple faces to the east. The temple and tabernacle were symbolically designed to face out to the east where the sun rises and where the nations are. Where the Gentile, the Goyim, the people of the world are out to the east. The temple's doors open to the nations and say, come in, come in and know God. Well, this stream of living water begins to flow out to the east. It turns into a creek. It turns into a river. First it's up to the knees, then it's up to the chest, then it's so deep and it's rushing like a raging river so that nobody can cross it. It goes out and it goes down into the Jordan River. And everybody in the first century in Israel understood the geography. It goes down to the Jordan River and the Jordan River flows south, flows south into the Dead Sea. Look at verse 8 in Ezekiel 47. And he said to me, this is the angel here who's giving this vision to Ezekiel, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. This stream now become a river of living water flowing down the Jordan into the Dead Sea, a sea which today even is filled with death. It has so much salt in it, nothing can live in it. But this river of living water goes down into the sea and makes it fresh. Verse 9. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live there where the river goes. The river goes down and makes the Dead Sea live. The river of living water goes down and makes the Dead Sea resurrect. Verse 10. And fishermen will stand beside the sea. From En Gedi to En Eglaim, it will be a place of spreading of nets. Its fish will be of many kinds, like fish of the great sea. Do you think God's talking about fish? Do you think this great vision of the temple and the living waters that come out of the temple is about fish? Hey, guess what, fellas? One day, we'll be able to go down to the Dead Sea and catch crappie and bass and catfish and brundy and all different kinds of fish. You think it's about fish? It's obviously not about fish. The fish are people. The fish are the nations. The fish are the people of the world that need to hear the good news. And fishermen are going to come and get them. There's other references in the Old Testament to fishermen going and gathering up people. And here Jesus says to Peter, from now on, you will be catching men. The fulfillment of what happens in Ezekiel 47 has come to pass. And it's stretching right on, right on through this age. Verse 11. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So powerful was the sign combined with previous signs and interaction with Jesus that everything came together for these students of Torah. The things that they'd learned in the synagogue school, the things that they'd learned from the Psalms, the Psalms where the nations are spoken of as a turbulent sea, as a turbulent sea filled with danger that spills over periodically in judgment upon the people of Israel, but the sea over whom Yahweh God walks, the sea whom the Lord calms, the sea whom the Lord controls and does as he will with his will. You see, it's a motif for the nations of the earth, for the Lord will do as he sees fit with the people of the earth, and he will send forth his fishermen to fish them. So it all came together for them, so much so that they left their life, generations as fishermen, these are men who are beginning to prosper, and they've got businesses, and they've got families. But so powerful is this sign, 
so much of the epiphany of coming together, of understanding something of who Jesus is, that they left their life as fishermen to follow Jesus as fishers of men. You have seen it all as well. It's been unpacked before you this morning from the Word of God. Right here in Austin, let us join the ongoing thrilling ministry as fishers of men. Traditional cast netting for fish is not as easy as you think. The fisherman needs to have a good net. He needs to maintain that net. He needs to know where to cast for fish, and he needs to know how to actually use his net. Jesus called four fishermen to become fishers of men. All the skills that they learned as fishermen were now weirdly useful as they now fished for men and how successful they were. For you and I are here because of the work of fishing that they began in the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. You guys are so quiet, you sound like Presbyterians. <laughs> so let's go fishing here in Central Texas. Let's learn from the master fisherman in his manual, the Bible. Know your Bibles. Read your Bibles. Meditate upon your Bibles. Teach your children from the Bible. If you don't read it and know it, you'll never become a good fisherman. So let's learn and do, casting our nets far and wide to catch fish who will also become fishers of men. This morning in the Gospel of Luke, we've seen fishing epiphany. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for deputizing fishers of men. Help us to be good fishermen. Help us to go fishing in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, and, places, and even with strangers. Empower us by your Holy Spirit to do this and to bring in a great hall for your honor and glory. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.